0: All content on this channel is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. Should you need such advice, please consult a licensed financial or tax advisor. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of information on this channel. This week, my uh, computer decided to die on me. So, the the you know like the 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 quote unquote professional uh, podcasting microphone I have like the actual microphone, it only has like a fitting that works on the big computer. Um, so now I'm on my laptop, and I'm just talking right into it with my um, my like Apple headphones. <laughs>
1: Well, so, hopefully, it doesn't sound like total shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if not, then it's okay. Nobody's listening anyway.
1: <laughs> no, that's uh, true. We've got, we've got a listenership of, I think, two.
0: Two. It's us, that's two. Yeah, yeah. So um, nice. it works out. Um, all right. So uh, let's get into it.
1: Uh, w- yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: What is the stock we're talking about today?
1: Peton. The yes. Peloton. And and in, in anticipation of this uh, big podcast, I, I had to go out and buy one. Actually, I, I, <laughs> I ordered one a while ago. You know, they're back ordered because it's like the hottest COVID product on earth. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't go to the gym. You're stuck at home. You buy a, you know, buy an extra piece of exercise equipment. Uh, this one's, you know, fairly high, highly regarded. My my wife is a big cycler uh, and, and she can't go to her soul cycle classes or spinning classes or whatever and so yeah. uh you know when you do the math on the membership cost and the bike cost and you assume you're going to use it for a while because the gyms are closed just for the peace of mind of, of being able to work out at home and everything else it kind of makes sense it's also a really nice gift in general uh for mm-hmm. for you husbands out there which would be both of us who are the only listeners <laughs> if you
0: want to be if you want to be that husband who uh who, who on the advertisement
1: yeah, I really I was I saw the ad <laughs> exactly. I saw the ad and I was like that that could be me. That could be me. And, I, and I went out. Meanwhile, and, and I
0: everybody's everybody's yelling at that husband because oh how horrible and insensitive you must be. To, to, to yeah, exactly. Your wife. A
1: terrible person. <laughs> exactly. I sat. I sat down on the couch. I I I I, I man spread myself out. And I mansplained how I was going to buy this for. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, I basically, I think they nailed it. By the way, sidebar. I love their ads. I think they're one of the best advertised companies maybe ever. Like they're just they're so they're so smart. Yeah, like I'm getting their ads.
0: Where Where do you see their ads though?
1: Yeah, so I see all digital. So like I'm getting I'm getting hit up on YouTube. I get hit up um, on uh, yeah, I guess mostly YouTube. I don't remember what else. You know, yeah, where else I'm cruising on the internet?
0: I also see it on YouTube as well because I was on their um, on their website looking at their bikes, and they somehow you know they tracked me using the cookies or whatever. Yeah, of course. Now I get like like every time a YouTube video plays, I get an ad for a Peloton bike or treadmill. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it's saw some impressive. of the same ads. I don't, I don't watch much TV, normal TV, but I was watching football the other night and they ran a bunch of ads. I mean, really? just from a, from a targeting perspective, you know, they know their audience really well. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. The ads, you know, for, for a product like this. And especially when I think about their competitors, it's like, who's the perfect target audience? You know, it's, it's, the one I saw was like this guy, former athlete, college one, you know, D one college athlete, football player blew out his knee and now wants to like take care of his kids. And this is how he exercises at home, you know? And like, it gives you their username, they're real people. And like, I, by, you know, and the username is always something kitschy, like, you know, football star two, you know, or like (laughs) the other one was somebody's like a grandfather. It's like, you know, granddaddy biker two or something and it, it's just it's just it makes it so you know attainable and human versus like mm-hmm. here's this you know instagram models pedaling on your bike which is how everyone actually advertises like if you go to peloton's website that's what they're showing you but the yeah. ads are like very regular everyman
0: people. yeah yeah like and regular i think people. it's brilliant yeah 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 that's interesting. And, okay, and so, to, wait. You, know, it, you know,
1: when you think about it, the, 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 it, I guess we'll get into it. I, I look at it at them trying to expand what their addressable market actually is. Uh, yeah. And when you treat it like that, I think that's the, the approach and that's what the ads are now versus this, you know, snobby luxury item that ad V1 was, which the husband buying for the wife and the fancy house and all this stuff. Now right. you're, you're you're appealing to this every man where the guy, you know, it's a, it's a overweight guy with a bike in his attic. And, right. and that, that, that really expands how many people they can sell this to.
0: And that's interesting because even though the ad, the, you're noting that the advertising is more for like the everyday person, it is an expensive piece of an equipment. Um, oh, yeah. the, 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 I think the, the, the treadmill itself is in excess of $4,000, even though they're going to play yeah. a cheaper version of that um, sometime soon, I think in December. And then there's also the, the bike itself, which was their original product. Um, and that's in excess of $2,000, right? So those are not yeah, really cheap things.
1: Yeah, I think probably a good place to just articulate what they actually sell, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, this is a company that sells, they have their normal bike, which to the point, you know, what we, were just spoke, what we were just talking about, you know, they're trying to expand their addressable market. So they took their normal bike, they dropped it down, I think, to like eighteen ninety-five from mm-hmm. from $2,000 or something. So it's yeah. pretty meaningful discount. Um, they now have their Bike Plus, which is $2,500. They have the Tread, which is $2,500, and I think there's a Tread Plus on the horizon next year for like four grand or something. Right. So yeah, these, this is not this is not going to be the cheapest product in market for a home bike, uh, even a connected home bike with a screen and with content. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't I don't think they're trying to capture the bottom of the market, uh, but it's definitely an expensive piece of equipment.
0: And and to add to that, they they to make it cheaper what they do is they spread the, um, uh, the cost, which you can pay up front if you wanted to, but if you wanted to make it feel cheaper, you can get 0% um, interest financing. And then usually they'll yeah. split it to like 39 payments. So a little over three years. And um, that kind of makes sense because if you think about the bike, which is 2,200 something, um, and you split it across 39 payments, 0% interest, Um, that works out to somewhere around like 58 bucks per month. Whereas the treadmill is 4,000, let's say 200, 4,300. And if you split that across 39 months with 0% interest, that'll work out to be about $111 per month. And when I'm thinking about like a $58 per month payment or $111 a month payment, those aren't like way out of the range for, what we would normally pay for a gym subscription in the first place. So in my mind, I've never bought a Peloton, but just as a prospective customer looking on the outside, looking in, I can kind of justify or rationalize for myself, uh, let's say 60 to let's say $120 payment for the hardware across, not forever, but just for 39 months. If, I just cancel my gym membership and just say to myself, okay, I'm not going to go to the hassle of going to the gym, but I'm going to have this piece of equipment that theoretically I'm going to love using inside my house. And it might be way more convenient for me to have it in my house versus having to go to the gym. And it's roughly around the same payment, but a little bit more convenient and maybe there's got this other features. And so I like that kind of ability to spread the payment out over many months uh makes the full on upfront cost of this 2200 these big numbers like 2200 and 4200 a little bit more palatable for um, the average totally.
1: consumer. Yeah. Totally. And and uh, yeah, I can actually walk you through the thought process in in actually buying one because I did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's basically saying, you know, you're 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 eliminating these existing gym memberships. Uh, you know, she has and my wife has a Planet Fitness, which is not expensive. Uh, she was going to Soul Cycle, which is an a la carte; you pay per class. That's not cheap. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was like thirty bucks a class, and she was doing at least, you know, three to five of those a month. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, you know, there's there's other expenses there too. You know, she's she's got a, you know, maybe she's renting shoes or she bought shoes. You have to take that into account. It's the time to travel to get to places, and mm-hmm. and you ultimately you want to maximize the utility. I yeah. don't mind you know, if you're spending $50 a month on a gym membership, but you're going every day, that's great, right? That's mm-hmm. better, frankly, than spending $30 a month and never going. Right. Uh, so, totally. so you kind of want, there's some there's some point, but I also, you know, I'd rather spend 50 and use it all the time than spend 200 and use it all the time. So there's mm-hmm. some inflection point there where you want to like, there's a utility curve. I don't know what you want to map <laughs> that out, but you know, the, the goal was to come somewhat close to what our normal, you know, fitness and, and, uh, you know, fitness costs would be pre-COVID and, and look at it and say, look, for the next year at least, you know, you've got this uh, piece of hardware, which is what it is, and the subscription. And what's interesting about the subscription is it's um, – you get a whole household on one bike. Hmm. So not so every – Not you know, just so I,
0: one person. It's multiple people correct. in the household. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, so the first thing we did – I mean, I don't I, – I actually aggressively don't like cycling. I hate cycling. So, okay. I, you know, I don't – I had no intention to use this thing. Uh, but it's free. And Peloton has an incredible catalog of content. Um, mm. Just every class is recorded. Everything's available. Um, if you go in the app, and so I did download the app. You know, it doesn't. It's it's free. Uh, so I just log it through the bike. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have you know four classes, strength classes. They have yoga. They've got cardio. They have meditation on there. They've got outdoor running, indoor running, cycling, boot camps, different stretching things. They've got full programs, thirty-day, sixty-day stuff. They've got collections of content. You want to do like bar training? They have that on there. You want to do like a you know a three-month plan for strength building? They have that too, and it's all free. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know generally the cheapest guy. Uh, I, I try to be as cheap as possible. Um, and I find that most of this the right content... word is frugal, not cheap.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am the frugalist. I, I like to find content like that um, I think you can find all of this stuff on YouTube, but none of it's unique. Okay. So none of the, you know, you can find meditation, you can find strength training, and I've been working out at home since COVID, uh, with, you know, a a hodgepodge of stuff that I find online and it's all free. That said, having it all here is infinitely easier. And I'm, I can see myself, you know, and not, not even cycling, but I could see myself transitioning over to using the app to manage, you know, all my other workout stuff. And that's an easy sell. You know, it makes sense to make it a household membership because once Mm -hmm. you're in that Peloton community, it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty sticky. You know, they track all your metrics, all your data, there's a social element. And I think the price point makes it, uh, you know, a high end community. It it reminds me a lot of like Apple enthusiasts that, that like, you know, oh, you're not, you know, you.
0: Massive fans. Yeah. Like, are they huge? Yeah. Like, and rabid fans? Is rabid a good word to use for these people? Yeah, like, I think so. Sense.
1: And I think they're loyal. I think, yeah. I think these are people that are going to be very hard to pry off of the Peloton platform, even if there's yeah. identical content somewhere else. Yeah. And the, the other, it's, it's, it's like you remember that the early days, the iPhone, even now, like if you use an Android, Mm -hmm. you can't be on iMessenger, you know, your messages come in green. Like there's something, and and it's, it's definitely elitist, but there's something there that's Mm -hmm. real. There's a real, there's a real sense of belonging and community there and people get attached to it. Also your data is not going to migrate. You're not going to pull total calories burned or number of classes you achieve. It's all gamified, tons of milestones and achievements. You, once you're in there, you're kind of in there. Uh, you know, I think that's a yeah. big, t- in terms of moat, you know, that's a pretty good moat for them.
0: So what, So taking a step back, um, just following up with some questions in here, the, the data that you're talking about, the history tracking, the community, the classes, those aren't available to you unless you pay a subscription every month. Is that
1: correct? For
0: correct. Household. You have
1: to pay a subscription. But if you buy the bike and on the single subscription, I don't know if this is the case Like if Naomi and I wanted to both join Peloton and we didn't own the bike, I think we would both have to subscribe to the app.
0: Yeah. If you buy the bike. Yeah. You can, you can, you don't technically have to buy the bike. If you just want access to the content, you can be like a quote unquote digital only subscriber. And that's something around like 13 bucks per month, somewhere in that bar.
1: Correct. Exactly. Um, Yeah.
0: What about the subscription price? Um, How much
1: are you guys? Um, so I think with the bike, it's more, I think it's $49 a month. I can look that up. I don't know if that's changed. Um, but again, you get full household. So it's not a great deal for two. It is a good deal if your, your kids want to ride the bike theoretically or you live in a big house with a lot of people, there's probably some limits on the number of users, but yeah. Um, yeah, so there's definitely a cost there.
0: Like even if it's like in the 30 to 40 range per month, um, it's significantly higher than, let's say, a Netflix subscription cost for that content, right? Which is somewhere like thirteen to fifteen dollars a month, all the way down yeah. to like eight dollars a month. So you're paying more. It's thirty-nine dollars a month, but okay, way. so thirty-nine dollars per month. But my argument is that if you compare it against like what um, somebody might do, which is subscribe—not subscribe, but like pay on a per-class basis for a Soul Cycle thing, which you said was thirty dollars per class. And if you go once a week, that's $120 a month, right? For four, four classes. You're nine, telling me. 30. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, in here, if you pay $39 per month, and let's say it's a household of two, but only one person refuses to use it, and one person refuses. uses it, right? And then just gets sucked in. The one person actually does use it gets sucked in. Like, it doesn't cost you more money to use it more. It actually drops the... Cost per use the more you use it so like literally you yeah, can do the, it like twice a day and then yeah. you're down to like fifty cents per class yeah whereas in the soul yeah. cycle you'll never get it down to fifty cents per class it's always thirty dollars per class
1: so well, soul cycle is hell yeah that is the worst possible consumer model for for, for the husband of a consumer you know, right. that, that thing is just cash out the door yeah.
0: <laughs> and so here I would I feel like in a weird way. If we really thought about it with open eyes, um, the SoulCycle model, while uh, it has its benefits, it, it's actually financially aligned against the user because the more you use it, like it's still linearly, it's cost linearly increases with the number of uses. Whereas the Peloton, because of the way the digital content is free and you can have on-demand classes anytime you want from the comfort of your home, is in a strange way, the financial incentives are aligned with the user. The more you use it, the cheaper it gets and um, right. dramatically cheaper, actually, like depending on how many times a week you'll use it, right? So there's an incentive yeah, it's, to it's, using it
1: yeah but it's let's not let it's not a unique model that's the the gym membership model right you're incentivized mm-hmm. to use the gym as much as possible once you're paying a subscription the The goal for them obviously is the the recurring revenue I think that you know obviously uh at a revenue level you want the biggest possible chunk of recurring revenue i don't you're not going to buy a bike every couple of years I think you buy a bike and you're kind of locked into it for the foreseeable right. future um so yeah, I I uh, you know, yes, yes, that's all true. Um, but again you know the point i think i'm trying to focus on is how hard it'll be to disintermediate a user once they're in that ecosystem
0: mm-hmm. like to like dislodge them once they're really in it yeah it's
1: not hard like in that model even even when the incentives are perfectly aligned if you open a similar gym to the one i'm a member of closer to my house i'll join mm-hmm. that one <laughs> right it's not a you know you don't usually build loyalty especially most of these big gyms are chains you know you don't build a, a a lot of loyalty in a certain gym i mean when i when, when, uh, when we lived in New York, I changed gyms every, you know, as soon as a better one opened near me or closer to me or had a promotion, Yeah, you know, four different gyms probably in a year. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think the, that's the difference here is th- there was nothing sticky about the physical gym. Like you, you're paying a membership as long as it's somewhere close to that cost, you know, the, the membership, the, the brand itself is kind of irrelevant, right? You're not a planet fitness enthusiast. You're not a crunch mm-hmm. fitness enthusiast with Peloton I think and again I it's it's a funny exercise um, no pun intended uh, obtaining this bike in the middle of trying to evaluate the company so like yeah yeah the hardware is beautiful look I have never seen the thing is is silent you know you get wow. on there and you pedal it's it's silent um, I've never been it's, on it's, one it's a, and
0: I've never seen one in person so you're 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 talent you're helping me really picture what's going on in real life for this
1: yeah company. i mean the, the scuttlebutt is is really useful whenever you have hardware right because mm the user experience, you can't always convey, you know, this is, it's, it's a matte black, you know, it's, it's, it feels heavy and sturdy. It's nice. The screen is nice. The software is really, really good. You know, that's always my biggest concern with mm-hmm. proprietary software. It's not an open iPad screen that you can watch a movie on it's only yeah. Peloton stuff. Yeah, so it's like locked it. it has yes. to, it has beautiful. to be good. If that, if yeah. that sucks, yeah, You're screwed. It's like, it's like all these fancy cars that built in, you know, displays and technology into their car. It's outdated 20 minutes after you buy it. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. This is different. Um, this, this feels again, I, I keep coming back to Apple I, and I, I don't know why. It's the premium brand of it, uh, but it's mm-hmm. also there's an aesthetic here uh, and the and the fan community around it. But the aesthetic of the build, there's a lot of attention paid to design on this. It's mm-hmm. it's weighed perfectly, it's balanced perfectly. Again, I'm not an avid biker, so I haven't tried 50 different bikes or you know every kind of pedal. I don't I don't own special shoes that clip in. You know, I, I sat on it a couple times. So, mm-hmm. um, but but it is it is good to note. You know, I, I'm fairly tech savvy that screen is easy enough for my eight year old to use. You know, he he could pop on there and and figure it out in a second. Oh, I'll do this ride. And you can filter by the type of music you want to listen to. What kind of workout, how much time you have, you know, I did, I went on today. I did a, I was like, okay, I'll play around for 10 minutes and I did a bike ride through Sweden. Oh my God. Just like, it's just like, it's just, it it maps you to someone who rode on their bike with a camera, you know, with a camera basically through a scenic route. And like, that's really cool. And it's really easy yeah. to find. The software is great. The hardware is great. It's all connected through the mobile app. So if I want to go do a, you know, a 10 minute hit workout on the floor in my basement, uh, I can connect all the stats up. I can get a streak going. I can, you know, all that stuff, which is, which is great for motivation. And then the social element, right? So, so you know, my, my wife can track what I'm doing and vice versa, and she can feel terrible about herself when I outcycle her. I'm the first out-cycle.
0: <laughs> yes. Just destroy her, like that kind of thing. I have so huge the, quads. I have huge <laughs> quads. <laughs> the, the competition is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, where did you guys locate this? Is this in a garage or in a basement or in a living room? Like, where did you guys decide to put it?
1: it's it's basically in our in our downstairs living room it's in like a family room space
0: okay because then you know that's mostly because we
1: just don't have a lot of room (laughs) okay
0: but i mean like one of the things that i was thinking about when researching this was um you know that because it is a beautifully designed product um people are actually more okay with having it in prominent spaces in their let's say but their domains right um and it's not one of those, like, ugly pieces of equipment that you'd put, like, way off in the garage, such that it's kind of yeah. like this, like, dungeon-like piece of equipment that you go to when you finally have, quote-unquote, the intent to, like, punish yourself through exercise or something like that.
1: This is, like, but I wonder how long that lasts right Mm. like you're right you're right um and and i'll I'll walk you you know again we had this discussion do we put it in the bedroom right do you Mm. want to put it off to the side of the bed you can have you know close the door and have it she's like well i don't want to be biking you're trying to sleep like and there's still speakers on the stuff unless you want to use headphones it's going to make noise so You know, we decided not to put it in the bedroom. Well, where else can we put it? It is a big piece of, you know, it doesn't take up a ton of space, but it's fairly big. And, you know, you want your private space. Like when my wife rides, she you know wants the kids out of the basement and she gets her own space. And I think that is important. But I do wonder, you know, you're looking at, at five, 10 years with this piece of equipment. I can't think of too many things that that have that kind of longevity where they're still kind of culturally relevant and interesting enough to leave in your house like think about tvs or any other piece of electronics like
0: yeah you know
1: three three four years pass. you got to upgrade if you don't have a 4k yeah. tv you're not, you don't want to show that off right if you don't have the yeah. ps5 right you're not going to be showcasing your ps4 anymore. i mean if and, if and you that look stuff at happens those cycles are pretty quick if you look at some
0: iphones from like five years ago, six years ago, yeah. you can tell that they're, they're dated. Like for whatever reason, there's something in the design language that makes it look quote unquote old, right? Totally. Um,
1: and, yeah. I, I mean, and especially hardware. Work... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead.
0: If we fast forward five years from now, seven years from now, I think your question is, um, will I feel the same about the freshness of this aesthetic um, that's been sitting in my living room, hopefully well used, right? Um, <laughs> right. Five or seven years from now. Um, and you know, whether or not the, the the question in my mind would be five to seven years from now, after you've had this much time and familiarity with a Peloton bike, <clears throat> do you decide to turn it into Peloton and buy the newest model, like the way we do with an iPhone? Um, and what is at that point, the level of relationship you have with a company where you know, you could be dislodged or it would be nearly impossible to dislodge you from whatever information they've gathered about your
1: like long history
0: of using the Peloton. So, that's right.
1: And that, that, that's a great point. It's a great point. That's spot on. It's, you're, you'll reach an inflection point where it's time to upgrade, right? Just like a phone. Um, but then what do you do? And and there's, there's so much competition here, early stages, but there's a lot of competition here Look, you know, what was the one I saw? Uh, was that Lululemon that bought Mirror? Yeah, right? you know, yeah. I know. That, like something like that. that like yeah. w- let's say they operationalize that in the next year and, yeah. and you've got these really cool digital connected mirrors in your house next to a mm-hmm. workout mat. Like maybe that's going to be a lot cooler than Peloton, which is so last year, so five years ago. Right. Th- that, that might be enough of a driver to, to pull people. And I know I opened this whole thing with how – rabid, uh, the community is and how committed and loyal the Peloton user base is. But, yeah. you know, it, 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 I could easily see, you know, so, at least some of that market where it's like, look, I want to do more than cycling. I'm not going to buy this $5,000 treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's another cool product out there. And there's a lot of other potentially very cool products. I, I'm, I, and ironically the, the biggest comp here to me, we've been talking about Apple this whole time. Apple fitness can, can come up with something I'm sure that would be much cooler than this. <laughs> and it's connected yeah. to your, you know, your Apple watch and your, your Apple health and your phone. It wouldn't be that hard. You know, and again, I'm thinking of someone that literally just, I just bought the bike, right? Yeah. I just bought the bike. It just got put in my house a couple of yeah. days ago. Yeah. So you don't you know, if, know if, you if, haven't
0: had a long time to experience it, but this is your, yeah. your initial impressions. Yeah.
1: And I like it. I'm, I, my original impression was this is an overpriced piece of equipment. (laughs) I won't regret. I'm not going to regret buying it because I will get utility out of it. My wife will get a lot of utility out of it, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's an overpriced bicycle, (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. this is not new. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, it's fine. I don't mind. It's, it's again, during this moment in time, when you exchange for some of these gym membership costs, the cost benefit and the, the mental happiness or emotional happiness of, my family. Like, yeah, it's totally worth it. I have no problem paying for it. But you know, I think about this five years down the road, there can be a lot of cooler products out there. And I don't feel especially connected to Peloton and I'm not sure, you know, the content itself is not a moat. There's so much other content that is free or there's so much other content, you know, niche content that you can find, you know, what's the orange theory is streaming their classes and, um, Equinox in New York is streaming stuff and, and having some success there. Like you could just have your favorite trainer, the, whoever the guy is or the girl is that you like watching and working out with that's in your house now, right? It doesn't have to be Peloton. Peloton actually doesn't have a huge variety of coaches. There aren't that many trainers. Like I think they have three or have four them.
0: big stars who people yeah, really they like. Do. And then the rest is kind of just whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I wonder again, like ask me a few years from now, like, I don't, I I think, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm trying to come up with a more comprehensive, you know, at home fitness regimen and it's, you know, more appealing to, hopefully as my kids grow up, they, they're more interested in this kind of stuff. Like I could easily switch the piece of hardware and the provider. All right. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the fact that they have my stuff or whatever, like so does Amazon (laughs) and so does Apple. Right. So I don't know. I think I think that that would be that's that's the main fear for me uh as like in the Peloton communities yeah, how that's, much is there.
0: That's also the um the thing that um I started worrying about in the middle of researching this and thinking about it uh, from the the perspective of like is it good for investment. So in my mind I think it brought up the same issues which is that um the things that that Peloton competes on um those things could be replicated by someone like apple who's very very good at the same things right um like the aesthetic design maybe even some of the content um, because apple's already producing conflict content like the way netflix is producing content and technically Mm -hmm. peloton's content is actually easier to do it's not like you got to make a story you just got to motivate people to get through their rides or whatever right it's like literally fitness content which is much easier to do than normal movie content and apple's already in the content business um and so like what what like like what stops uh, apple which has so much money on its balance sheet like literally infinite amounts of money from setting up like a similar studio hiring some like really good instructors filming the content and then replicating it fairly easily like i can see why maybe apple would have a difficult time and would have to spend oodles of money um, creating content to try to compete with whatever content library a Netflix would have, because that's a massive content library with a lot of like unique titles in it. Um, so you would have to spend yeah. a lot of money to compete with that. But the Peloton content library and the ability to create competing content, that's not a big a barrier in my mind. So I'm like, just kind of like, Stretching this worry to the future, and let's say Peloton does get really, really big and very important, and Amazon, Apple begins to take notice. Um, what are Apple's like strategic uh, positions or what are its possible options there? Number one, they could try to acquire Peloton. Um, um, as an example, Apple did acquire Beats, the headphones company, yeah, for true. about three billion a few years ago. And so it's rare that Apple would actually try to acquire a company, but it has done so. Um, and I don't know what they really wanted to do with the, I haven't, with the Beats acquisition, but they did do it. And um, fitness and health is something that Apple has been really, quote unquote, big on in the last few years, you know, with the Apple Watch and the integration of health in the Apple Watch and things like that. So you can kind of see where it would actually be very congruous. Um, And quite a possibility for Apple if they really wanted to get into the space and didn't want to, like, try to fight a war of attrition to crush Peloton to the ground while offering its own product, which is simply try to make an offer to acquire Peloton and then run it as a subcategory brand or integrate
1: it uh, into... You know, it's funny that you've mentioned Beats. I totally forgot about that. You know, like, (laughs) I I can't, like has a brand ever disappeared faster, right? Like, <laughs> um, no, but you're bringing up a good point there, which is, you know, would you invest in Peloton with the expectation of an acquisition? And, and that becomes interesting, but I think the premium you'd have to pay for, for this, you know, for their market share, which again, it's not huge. I don't know what their market share is 5%. Would
0: you say? I mean, they have, I mean, they have a million as of the last quarter, they have about a million subscribers which is way less than, I would say, 5% of the total addressable market. If you simply define the addressable market as the number of people who subscribe to a regular gym membership in North America alone, I think that's roughly 30 million. So one out of that yeah, I mean, million is somewhere close to 3%. Yeah.
1: I mean, Peloton itself, they, they give their own total addressable market. I think they call it and this is a good place to get into it. This is the exercise I did for this. This okay, is, okay. This is the way I was it. thinking. Yeah, I, yeah, I basically jumped into best case scenario, right? All right. So Pel- Peloton announced their total addressable market. I think they called it 15 million households. It's anyone 18- or, or
0: five? 15. five.
1: Okay, okay. 15, 15 million households. Those are households with uh, a demographic 18 to 70, which is aggressive, with hmm. $50,000 of income or more, 50,000 plus. To me, like that's aggressive, right? I would have said, if you were asking me, I would say 18 to 55 with 100K of income, but okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. And then I, best case scenario, they sell something, you know, a bike at least, you know, and, and at the, I don't know what pricing you want, but I'd, I'd call it 2,500 bucks and you're selling one, one device and a subscription at, at $39 a month to every single one of those homes, mm-hmm. right? That gives them a value. That's that's 37 billion with 7 billion in recurring subscription revenue. Right. Okay. So call it, call it, you know, $45 billion. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fairly, you know, that's, that's fairly aggressive. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's super optimistic too. It's it's um, I looked up some other comps here. So research and markets, 2020 valuation. I don't know if it's a super relevant site. I can send you this, the citation. Mm -hmm. The uh, the 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 cardio training segment, which includes bikes and treadmills, of the global fitness equipment market, is 6.2 billion, and Mm -hmm. it's it's and it's four and a half times more than uh, the eight billion dollar estimate for that segment in 2027. Their estimated segment. So it just it, it seems you know it doesn't seem that crazy, but on the other hand, it is kind of crazy. And then the way they're priced right now, you know, we can go through the, the the you know they're 38 billion market cap company still don't make any money. They're not profitable, um, and they're projecting another 100% of growth. So they're trading what like 10 times their, um, well, 10 times their EV on projected revenue, give or take. Is mm-hmm. That fair? So 3.6, 3.62 billion in revenue with that growth for next year. Right. Right. So that prices them to capture about 40% of that market share, like relatively quickly (laughs) in the next, I don't know, in the next seven years, six to seven years, Um, that, that to me, and if you want to jump back to Apple, I looked at Apple, what's their, what's their best, you know, what's their, what's Apple's best stretch, right? Mm -hmm. Apple's best stretch was 2008 to 2018. Mm -hmm. Like they had a CAGR of 38%, right? Pretty good. yeah that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. you, that's like one of the best companies ever during their peak growth period. Yeah. Peloton's current valuation basically says they have to grow revenue by 50 percent, compounded annually from now until 2027. Mm-hmm. And that's, Peloton's basically its current valuation, it has to outpace the iPhone's peak growth years as a product, which, you know, when you put it in those terms, I just I don't see it. I, I see so many more reasons, even at the time. That, that Apple had that bigger um, bigger growth potential yes. uh, than what I see here. So that, that was my exercise is, is basically like what's the best case scenario and what kind of valuation would justify the price it's currently trading at, which as the time of this podcast, uh, let's look that up. I think it was about $130. $131.93. Um, That's right. the current price. So that just seems completely insane to me. I mean massive revenue growth over the next 10 years yeah. in a market that's that's you know that that's about to be heavily innovated in by some really big players. So okay. you know going back to the original point if someone like Apple were to buy them and and it's funny that you mentioned beats because beats to me was another product that seemed you know, overpriced and had a lot of brand and loyal yep. users. And, yep. and, and, you know, Apple did, Apple did foot the bill and they bought that yeah. company. Maybe this has a similar profile in that sense in the health segment. Maybe it's interesting as an acquisition target. I was looking at it independently on its own merits and it seems right. very, very overpriced to me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I had, uh, I, I was 50, 50, right. So like it, 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 with regard to the Apple question, I was saying to myself, If Apple were to be interested, so starting with that if assumption, the two strategies were either buy them out or crush them, Now in the crush them scenario, like Apple would use its massive war chest. It wouldn't even use all of its massive war chest. It would use like an infinitesimally small fraction of its massive war chest of cash to literally just you know buy out some i don't know taiwanese bike manufacturer uh Fi the product to create something that's similar aesthetic wise to peloton um and then uh create a content studio studio that would pretty much do the same thing um and try to use integrations with the apple watch and the iphone or whatever parts of the ecosystem apple has To try to get it into the hands of as many people as possible. That would be like the, uh, the I guess the nightmare scenario where Peloton does not, um, you know, like Apple never makes an offer, or Peloton, or Apple does make an offer and Peloton refuses, and then Apple needs to like kind of raise the earth and try to salt it so that nothing else will ever grow again, right? So in my mind, it was really, it was really like uh, I don't know. I I think it's called. the, the question of whether, whether or not you want silver or lead, right? Do you want like the silver bribe or do you want to take the lead bullet? Like that's what Apple would probably try to do. Um, right. now separately. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, I'm just trying to like read, read between the lines here. It sounds like you're a little bearish there. So I'm going to try to give you what I feel like is, um, the bullish arguments for Pelican. Um, and, uh, one of the things that I saw when I was looking at Pelican was that, you know, as we understand it, it's essentially um, a hardware business with a service, like a content service, built on top. And the hardware business actually acts kind of like a Trojan horse. Like once you've got acquired that equipment, it's highly likely you're going to subscribe to the content service um to maximize whatever enjoyment you get out of that that hardware um, totally and you know some people if they don't want to buy the hardware they can still access the content through a slower priced um, digital subscription but i think for the most part like the big thing about this thing the big opportunity is getting the hardware into as many hands as possible and then you know floating off of the stream of cash that you get from all of that rec- sweet sweet recurring revenue from people now like that type of a business, um, like usually people would try to like value it on the basis of two major metrics. One is what is the, like, what is the customer acquisition cost? Like how much does it cost you to, con- to like in sales and marketing, to convince a completely new person who is outside of the Peloton family to join the Peloton family by, you know, bringing this, inviting this hardware object into their house. And then saying, welcome, and then putting it in the living room or something like that and deciding that, yeah, we're going to go through with this, right? And we're going to make space in our lives for this thing. And it is worth it. That, that requires some spending um, to acquire that customer in the first place. So that's one of the things that we would want to look at. Um, the second thing is, you know, once somebody is acquired, like once a customer is acquired, what is its ultimate, what is that customer's ultimate long-term value to you in terms of the recurring cash flows that they'll provide to you over the average lifetime of a customer? And now that's a complicated question, right? Because the, like, it'll depend on how much money they're paying every month. Um, but more importantly, it'll also depend on um, how long an average customer survives or how long an cu- average customer decides to keep paying the monthly payment until they decide not to anymore. And that question about how quickly a customer decides to terminate the engagement or, um, in a a good sense, not terminate the engagement is related to another number called um, churn, like customer churn. And um, so in my mind, like, everything boils down to, like, what is their customer acquisition cost? And number two, what is their churn going to be like? And we want their... Customer acquisition cost to be as low as possible, and then we want that um, that churn to be as uh, as as low as possible. So that you 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 know if you think about your customer base as a bucket with that that has a leak at the bottom, and you're trying to fill the entire bucket with water, i.e., customers. um, You don't. I mean, even if 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 there's like a small leak at the bottom, that's okay as long as you're filling it with a lot of water on top. You'll keep filling this bucket. But, you know, if the leak's pretty big, as in there's a lot of customers churning, you're gonna have to work really hard to acquire more and more customers just to keep up that bucket, you know, that bucket level. Yeah. So, so really you wanna retain as many customers as possible by plugging the leaks and keeping churn low while you're trying to fill the bucket and grow to whatever um, massive size you want to in terms of like your customer base. And when I look at that, um, the S1 filing, which is the, um, the S1 filing that they have for the IPO. um, One of the things that struck out at me was that if you do the math around um, how much it cost them to acquire customers in 2019, so I'm I'm talking about year old data, not data from um, this year in 2020, um, it was somewhere in the range of like $1,000 to $1,200 if you just look at their sales and marketing costs and then you did your own calculations with that. You think about it like you're a business and you want to get a new customer and you've got to spend a thousand dollars, let's say, in advertising. And you told me at the beginning of this thing that, you know, you see a lot of like Facebook advertisements and they even have like commercials like on live TV between basketball games. So, you know, they're spending money to acquire customers. And in 2019, it was on average about thousand to twelve hundred dollars per customer just to get them to like uh, decide to um, purchase the equipment and get that Trojan horse inside the house, right? Um, And, you know, if you think about like, let's say that a customer takes $39 a month and we're asking yourself, okay, how much, if it's $1,000, not $1,200 to acquire the customer, how many months does this guy have to last in order for there to like be like a payback on that $1,000 you spent to acquire that, that customer in the first place? And I do the math, 1,000 divided by 39 is 25-ish months, 26-ish months. So it's like just a shade over two years that a person's got to last in order for them to start, like to make back their acquisition cost for you and then start making gravy on top, right?
1: Yeah, that's good. you,
0: You ask yourself, okay, like, is it reasonable for me to expect that if I'm a new user of this thing, that it's so good, the community's so good, the gamification so is so good, the, the data tracking is so good that I'll like use and I'll use it regularly enough and consistently enough that I will last at least two years, probably three, four, five, six years at least, so that it can really feel like a buildup of real recurring revenue um, that massively pays back Peloton for all its cost to acquire you, right? And to me, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't actually know the answer to that question. I'm just posing it. Is it reasonable to think that you're going to be like, like your wife or you might end up using this regularly enough for like five years straight and not get tired of continuing to use this product um, for your workout several times a week. um, And then, you know, being, getting so much utility out of it after the end of five years that you're still willing to continue the subscription. Like, how do you feel about that
1: question? Yeah, that's a great, that's like the best possible way to look at this. And I I think about it like, you know, again, the price is a little bit different and the activation energy is a little bit different, but uh, we paid for at least five years uh, of a gym membership down the block that I believe we used three times. So first of all, decouple usage from paying your membership because I'm not sure they're directly correlated, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people like the idea of belonging to a class or a gym or a Peloton community, even if they're not using it. I think it's really hard to quit. It implies giving up. I'm done. You know, I'm done with this program. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to improve myself. I'm not going to commit to fitness or healthy living or whatever. Right. People are going to continue to subscribe, even if they're not using the bike. Because they're irrational. That's what
0: you're saying. Because people can be irrational
1: about those things. And I think they're especially irrational with aspirational subscriptions. So Mm. it's, it's not like... It's not like you're subscribing to a newspaper. It's like, okay, we stop reading the newspaper, but you know what? I can't cancel. I can cancel these 10 magazine subscriptions, but I won't cancel the wall street journal or the New York times, because I'm the kind of person that reads the New York times or the wall street journal or scientific American or whatever it is. It's much harder to cancel those subscriptions because it says something about you and your self image. I think this is one of those things. And I have noticed that a little bit again with like, you know, you look uh, across the social connectivity of this thing. There are people that have the bike that, that we know that don't use it or haven't really used it much. They've owned it for a year and they've done 10 rides. Right. But yeah. they're still members of the community. They're still paying their monthly fees. Okay. So I think good. take, take uh-huh. that apart. Right. So, so yeah. now you can add some some function of delayed cancel. It's not I stopped using the bike. I canceled. It's, mm-hmm. I stopped using the bike, and three years later, I can't. <laughs> oh, God, uh, I'm horrified. I think a lot of I'm that.
0: horrified at all of the spending mm-hmm. for 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 very little utility. Like personally, <laughs> I'm horrified. Yeah, I, I, you are
1: you are actually you are actually thriftier than I am. So let's let's set the let's set the groundwork here as, as I'm done bragging okay. about how thrifty <laughs> I am. Yeah. But okay, so
0: um, oh, uh, sorry, what were you gonna say about
1: that? Yeah, no, I think that's the key thing. I think it's not an immediate correlation to usage. So I think once you're on, you're paying for the subscription, you have the bike, just the mental, you know, the, the mental hurdle to say, I spent Mm $2,500 on this bike and I'm not using it and I'm paying 49, $39 a month for Peloton app that I'm not really using. It just, it's going to be really tough to turn that off. It just says something you fail and, and you really feel in bad. a big way. Yeah, you feel like, yeah. you're going to feel like shit. You cancel yeah. that thing. You feel like yeah. shit. And, and and yeah, you're saving yourself $39 a month, but, but I'd rather pay $39 a month to feel better about myself <laughs> and feel like I'm not the kind of person that just spent $2,500 on a bike that I'm not using.
0: Yeah. So plus, I, I think if you turn I, off that I, subscription, you've got that piece of metal sitting somewhere in your, in your living space and you're not getting the oh, yeah. utility
1: out of it. Staring it's you it. in the face. So and, your failure. You how is, fat and lazy you are. Yeah. I mean, it's just staring. It's not, idea. it's not a great scenario. I, I think they're actually going to be able to hold on to their users. I think the bigger concern is the stuff we spoke about before. It's like their acquisition costs make sense. And, and I'm looking at the numbers. Yeah, they're not profitable. Who cares? I mean, their whole spend right now should be getting people in this ecosystem, because it's going to be hard to leave. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think that gets you to leave, it's not lack of usage. It's not uh you know, I'm tired of the workouts. I, I've ran through all the content, which, by the way, is impossible. It's, infin- it's literally infinite. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a never-ending supply of content. I think it's going to be competition. It's going to be, you know, this is a moment in time. They, they can't have a better scenario with everybody at home 24 hours a day than to have your gym at home. But the world opens back up. You can go back to your gym. do you really need this anymore? Do you really need the subscription anymore? Maybe there's a big secondary market for pelotons. People you know want to get out of that investment mm-hmm. uh, and competition. It's hey, you know I, I am the kind of person that spends you know two twenty five hundred dollars on a piece of workout equipment. There's a much better one available, and it's right. it's through Google or Amazon or Apple or whoever. That can be compelling, and I, I think that can take a bite out here and at least slow some of the growth. It's it's not. I don't think either of us think this is a bad company. Um, no. You know, it's it's a, yeah. it's a it's a good company with a great product. They've got a great uh, community. They've got a good, um, you know, software product too. I'm not just talking about the bike. The software is great too. Um, but but that that it just the question to me is around the valuation, right? So you're giving me all the optimism. Yeah. Um, now, you know, oh, talk to me about the numbers.
0: Well, yeah, let me give you some more pieces of what I think is the bullish argument for this thing, right? So we talked about one thing, which is their customer acquisition. And where I was going to head with that was that, okay, there's a two, a little bit over a two-year payback period for their customer acquisition costs in 2019. And I haven't run the numbers for 2020, but I'm suspecting that in 2020, their customer acquisition costs went down. Because as you said, it's a moment, it's this perfect storm, this like perfect moment in time where everybody's staying at home they can't go to the gyms. They need some way to like exercise without going to the gym. And people who are actually already in the Peloton community are like rabidly foaming at the mouth, telling everybody else to buy like a Peloton piece of equipment and spreading the yep. word. And so even, yeah, they might still be spending on advertising, but the number of people who are coming into the fold is like way higher organically than whatever punching power they're getting from their advertising spend to the point where delivery times are extending to like two months because i think they're just maxing out their full supply lines for for their factory running full speed ahead trying to get as many of these people in the door as possible so that they can eat that like sweet sweet recurring monthly revenue and capitalize on this like crazy terrible but like fantastic for them year. So, I think their customer acquisition costs went down dramatically in 2020. Whether or not that continues to hold as a low acquisition cost over the next few years is another question in my mind. Because if, let's say, the pandemic, people are less worried about the pandemic um, in a year or, let's say, one and a half years from now, and they start going back to the gyms, will Peloton have to ramp up its advertising to bring them back? Or, Conversely, in a bullish argument, will Peloton have um, gotten to a critical mass of like this really rabid, um, super uh, positive community of loyal Peloton users, such that it's kind of like a self-sustaining fission reaction where they like, you know, they, they they talk to each other and then they convince more people to join the fold, and those people become really rabid fans and then continue to ask people to join the fold. Like, did they reach critical mass through COVID is what I'm asking, where their customer acquisition costs are permanently low, or is COVID just a temporary one-time thing that depressed their customer acquisition costs, and it'll float back up to wherever it was before. Either way, I don't think it's too bad because a two-year payback versus, like, a one-year payback in COVID times, you know, like, ah, it's not a big deal. Both are very good numbers. It's just that, you know, less than a year payback is really amazing. So- yeah. That's, that's one. And two.
1: again, even, even if, even if this, they have this word of mouth buzz right now and, and just, it's, it's a hot product right now. And like you said, they're maxed out there. There are delayed deliveries. Like it took me, you know, over a month to get ours scheduled and delivered. So, you know, it's uh, you know, they, they have already reached that kind of critical mass. And I think once, and again, even if you're optimistic about COVID timelines, like like I said before, I, I'm going back to the gym at some point. Maybe mm-hmm. let's call it a year from now, right? I'll go back to the gym. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean I'm canceling the Peloton subscription. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But does right? it make
0: it a slightly more likely that you might cancel the Peloton subscription if you're now going back to the physical gym?
1: Um... Again, so I have to, I'm speaking for the whole household, right? Cause we've mm-hmm. got the, the membership across the household. I don't think so. I think what it does is I think, you know, my wife does not renew her physical gym membership and she stops going to SoulCycle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's free, right? Why, yeah. why, you know, I'm not in a rush to get off of it. It's a fixed cost. Um, and again, we have the bike, so you've kind of made that investment. You can use it whenever you want. Like, even if you just use it, you know, the, the Sunday you don't feel like going to the gym and, and, you know, that it's kind of worth it on its own. So I, I think even if even if you take a, a bearish stance and say, you know, they were slowing down a little bit pre-COVID, things are crazy right now because everyone's on lockdown. So what? <laughs> well, even if things go back to normal, uh, I still think that once they've they've, uh, you know, once they've embedded themselves into your lifestyle, uh, mm. there, there's really no there's no strong reason to take it out. Mm. Uh, even when things go back to normal, which is a, an amazing position to be in. Right. Now,
0: I'm going to continue this bullish argument, okay? So the numbers that I gave you, right, with the $1,000 customer acquisition costs, I got that by not listening to them and doing my own math. I just took their sales and marketing in 2019 and then divided it by the number of new users. So then that gives me like a rough number of how much it costs them um, to acquire each new user. But if you actually listen to them, they actually redefine or they have their own weird little metric about their customer acquisition costs. And some people will laugh at it. But if I really open my mind and listen to what they're saying, I can kind of see what they're saying. And if they're right, um, it is kind of amazing what they're talking about. So let me just talk to you about what, what, they're, what they're saying is their customer acquisition costs. So if you think about the process of you buying in a Peloton, right? You purchased what you, in your own words, said was an overpriced bike. And I'm gonna tell you why you feel that's overpriced. It's because they get roughly 50% margins on that bike. So it costs them, you know, maybe like $2,000 to make it and then they'll sell it to you for 4,000 or it costs them 1,000 to make it and they sell it to you for 2,000. That's probably why you feel that way. Um, and, you know, um, you paid um, uh, $2,000 to have a bike and they're getting, let's say $1,000 in gross profit for every bike that they sell you. But remember that that's actually the beginning of their relationship with you, right? Because really their game isn't to sell you the bike. Their game is to sell you the bike so that they can eat that sweet, sweet, high margin, like content recurring revenue month on month, year after year, hopefully for five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever, right? That's the real game. So in their mind, the bike itself, like selling you the bike is part in, they're lumping it with their customer acquisition cost. So here's what they're, they're thinking about. It costs $1,000 in advertising just to get someone aware of Peloton and decide to buy it. Then that person is gonna spend $2,000 for a bike that costs $1,000 to make it. So if I kind of rearrange the revenue and the expenses together, there's 2000 in revenue for the purchase of the bike but there's a combined 2000 in expenses for the bike. So what does that add up to? That's that adds up to like essentially nothing. It's costing them
1: You mean the customer acquisition cost?
0: Their customer acquisition cost which I quoted at $1000 could right. actually be zero. Right. And When I look at their thing, they finally rounded out the number. And then when they calculated, it was like $5, $5 to, I mean, which is essentially zero to to acquire a user that's going to pay you $39 every month. Now that started to get a little bit interesting. In my mind, that was very like, in my mind, that was very bullish because I was like, okay, if I'm doing, if I'm being like a hardcore nut about this and I'm not going to listen to them, I'm going to do my own thinking on this. Right. I'm figuring about $1,000, $1,200 can spend for the user, less than that in COVID. But the way that they're presenting it to you with this new modified version based on their business model of their customer acquisition costs, they're essentially getting you for free. You, in buying this overpriced bike, paid Peloton back for their advertising costs to acquire you in the first place, and then you're going to give them the privilege of, you know, paying $39 per month for using their amazing content and being part of their community and blah, blah, blah. So you have a lot of benefits to this. But I mean, that business model is very, very strong in terms of the customer acquisition costs, if you believe the way that they're doing it. And in my mind, it actually kind of makes sense, you know?
1: Isn't that always kind of true at the peak of these markets? You know, like I'm sure Apple, if you looked at Apple's customer acquisition costs during their peak periods, it was also probably close to zero. Yeah. I you mean, have, if you think right. about
0: the, the phone itself as a Trojan horse to get you to buy a lot of the subscription services that Apple has, then yeah, they have, yeah. Like, like they have zero acquisition costs. Like they I mean, this is what like we totally, it's almost like,
1: like, like yeah. the last pod. Are you talking about Square yeah. basically giving away their hardware to get you on their platform? Because yep. once you're on the platform, you know, all the other benefits. And I, I think there's a lot to that. Um, but again, we're in a moment in time, and this is a very unique moment in time right, Mm -hmm. where, you know, their customer acquisition costs, they can charge a premium for the bike because there really isn't, I I don't, you know, you can look at like Nordic Track or some other companies. I don't think there's a real competitor right now with a Mm -hmm. big brand and, and cachet behind it. So this is a moment in time they have first mover advantage. They have, uh, I'd argue a little bit of a moat with content and, and the app being the high quality that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, that's not an, that's not a, I think a, a, your, your analysis is a moment in time. If, yeah. if you give this a year and you let the market mature, they're going to have to spend more on, on, on marketing the bike and, and marketing the content versus alternatives. And you're also, you know, you're going to see, um, you know, you're going to see, I guess, uh, all the other variables come into play, right? So, so all the other stuff about, the cost, you can't, you can't charge such a high premium and call your addressable market, you know, 50 K and above, right. There's, there's something, the price is going to come down, but that's, that's all, all the more so to your argument, the price will come down a little bit, big deal. So their customer acquisition costs go up just a little bit. It still doesn't matter. But I think what's going to happen is the, the fear is they lose that top tier brand cachet. Mm. It, well, it, you know, it, like I haven't seen it yet with Apple. Apple's managed to maintain that for a really long time, but you know, you can come up with a million brands that used to be, you know, the best. And, and at some point they get disintermediated. There's something cooler. There's something hotter. There's something more relevant. And when that happens, that's when your customer acquisition costs skyrocket. Cause now yeah. you're really just grabbing at scraps from that front runner. Peloton's the front runner right now. And there really isn't much else. You know, if you want to buy a, a piece of home equipment, Right now, a high-end piece of connected home equipment. Like, I honestly don't think there's much else to consider.
0: I don't even, I, I don't even like. I don't <laughs>
1: even like cycling, right? Like, I think like, it's a bike, and I don't like cycling. And, and, and they I'm convince still happy to you.
0: And they convince you to get one. And moreover, today you cycled through Sweden, so they
1: somehow convinced. Well, I, had, you I had to. I had, to, I had yeah. to for the pod. I had oh, to okay. for the pod. But yeah, I mean, I I I think, I think you have like. I'm just I'm happy to have the membership, right? Like I don't I don't mind, right? And and I think, you know, the Trojan horse is, is apt, right? Like I I, I'm the first ad. Right? I bought it for my wife. Like right? well, that's that makes a ton of sense. That that's a smart that's a smart marketing play and frankly it's a it's a smart thing to do. I think I think a lot of people probably did that. But you look at me now, I'm a customer. I have no interest in cycling and I want to join my gym when the when COVID is over. Right. And I'm still a customer and Are I'll probably go, stay it. a customer even after this. So like you're absolutely right. Their customer acquisitions cost right now is probably effectively zero. Um, But it's really the competition that worries me. What happens when there's a cooler product? Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be a lot harder to convince someone like right Mm -hmm. now, you're convincing someone to buy a piece of home equipment. And if you're going to buy one for a thousand or 1700 from Nordic Trek, why do you care? So spend a little bit more, you get the best product. It would be like, you know, if, if you're, I'm not up to speed on the best and coolest phones, but it's like if an iPhone only cost, you know, 20%, 10% more than whatever the, you know, uh, Google phone or Android phone was, was going to cost you, you know, you'd be, it would seem foolish if if everything else being equal that you wouldn't buy the premium brand. And I think Apple's cashed in on that for many years. And I tell it on right now. There isn't, you know, there, there's a similar situation. You're going to buy the, it's gotten better brand and better, better standing. It's a high end product. They price as a high end product. Uh, that's a great place to be, but I don't, I don't think that's an infinite situation. I think, you know, like you said, and again, if they don't get acquired, I think you're mm-hmm. going to see some other players come in with very competitive and compelling offerings. Now it becomes, how are they going to not only retain their, the the hole at the bottom of the bucket starts to get a little bit bigger when that happens. And the cost to bring people into that bucket gets a little bit higher as that happens. Okay.
0: I hear you. So I think you're still, your main worry is about competition and it's kind of like a couple of side arguments against that. Um, you know, competition is the feature that we should always worry about, not just for Peloton, but for any business. Like you could be talking about Apple and you could be worried about competition or you could be talking about Google and you could be worried about competition. So in like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we should always be worried about the thing that you're worried about. Um, Yet some businesses have proven themselves to create moats that have essentially lasted for a long time against the onslaught of competition. Like when Google first IPO'd, I was like, yeah, they can't last that long. So as a couple of other kids in another garage somewhere in Menlo Park are gonna come (laughs) up with a better search engine. And you know what? Better search engine. I was completely effing wrong. I mean like 20 years later, still haven't come up with it and I think Google's just extended its lead. No one's come up with a better search engine. It's not until like the entire internet is literally downloaded into your brain that I think I could conceivably think of a better search engine than Google, right? So anyway. So that's one thing, and um, I think you know we we are worried about this generalized fear of a competition. But in my mind, until you actually see a credible one come up, then the worry's just this generalized worry that we could say about any company in existence.
1: Um, well, that's the thing. So th- this is good. Talk to me about where you see the moat here. So I, I have good. Um, I mean, I don't know if you. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I would say I fa- I'm a fairly avid. An active person. I work out a lot. I I like to have this stuff at home. It's good to have an option. Like I can talk to you about the actual, you know, practical utility of a lot of this stuff. But I don't see, you know, like Apple has a Um, moat. Even Google, uh, they have a moat. And and I think here you can make the argument that they have a moat. We, we've talked about this a bunch, you know, they have good content, right? They have yeah. good trainers. They have, uh, the, the enthusiastic community. They have all of your, you know, all of your metrics and data around the gamification here, but mm-hmm. none of those are particularly compelling to me. Uh, and, and, and again, you know, the, the next coolest thing, this is a little bit of a status symbol and there'll be another status symbol, right? right. At, at, especially at the hardware level. So right you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see, I don't see that protective layer around this business where like, you know, uh, you're in and you're in forever. Right. Yeah. Certainly for right this moment. And I think it's priced into the stock. It's an incredible company. Like I can't think of a better position to be in entering, you know, a global pandemic and, and house arrest than a piece of home gym equipment, the high end piece of home gym equipment that's connected to an infinite amount of content. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. But again, a couple of years from now, right? Like try to think ahead a little bit. So much of that value is baked into the current share price and valuation. You have to, you have to see so much future growth.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think you're, you're right on that. I, 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 <laughs> I have a hard time articulating what their permanent moat is. I think I could do it for Google and I think I could do it for Apple, but I'm not sure right. what, what I can say about Peloton. The, only thing that I could say right now about it in terms of their moat is that one of the things I noticed about them was that their net promoter score was in the 90s, like 93 or something like that. And, um, you know, net promoter score is this like blah, blah methodology that, you know, talks about like how willing um, customers who have experienced your product are um or how willing they are to promote the product to other people like unpaid unprompted just you 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 like this so much that you refer this product and bring it up um, to other people in conversation um which is like in a way like an indirect measure of the virality of the product right because i think Mm. beyond advertising the paid advertising um, the most effective advertising, in my mind, is when a friend, like someone you know or a family member who's close to you, um, and maybe even like two of those types of sources at once, begin to talk to you about the same product. Then something turns on in your mind, and you go, "Okay, and I really get to check this out because my cousin likes it, my mom has it, and then my um, my friend down the street has has got it. And there's got to be something there that I've got to check it out, right? Like that's the most powerful thing. So The fact that the net promoter score is 93 says something about it where it makes people who use it click into it so hard that they're willing to bring it up in conversation with other people, unpaid, unreferred, unbitten. It's just because they like it so much. And as a way of like comparing it, I asked myself, okay, what is like for a product that I really enjoy and that like a company that I think, you know, I'm super bullish on, which is Tesla. I asked myself, what's the net promoter score for Tesla? Because I know I really love that product. And I will, I'm willing to talk about it for hours with strangers because I love it so much. Their net promoter score is 96. And Peloton is 93. And I think, like, when I looked it up, anything over 80 was great. So, you know, that, like, even though I've never experienced the Peloton before, like, I literally have never seen it in person before, the fact that their net promoter score is 93 already tells me a lot about that plus everything I hear about it is just that people like when they really get into it, they really, really get into it. Like they love it, you know, and maybe it's something about like the combination of the seam, the seamless combination of the perfectly designed hardware, the aesthetics, um, and then the community that's built around it. Just like, just that, like, it's, it's hard to say (laughs) exactly what it is. Like it's hard to articulate what it is, but, It's just like something about the experience that makes you feel like, okay, this is really good. This is really perfect. I I love it so much, right? So that's one thing that I I think about when I think about their moat. So somebody else would have to create a product that it is even more like better seamlessly integrated and so top of the line in terms of the hardware that you would have to achieve, try to achieve a higher net promoter score than 93. and when I think about like just that kind of segues into another thing that I noticed in the research, which is that the the CEO John Foley, yeah, um, he seems like a good guy. Uh, I listened to a couple of interviews that he was in, and you know um, he he seems like he's got the right idea with in terms of management and culture or whatever. Um, and he is also not just the CEO currently, but he was also the founder, which I think you know puts a little bit more of an emphasis on like being uh be, really being there from the very beginning and not having a clear vision from the very beginning he's the guy who like knocked in like 300 vcs doors telling them about his connected vice pro, vice, bike product and getting turned down like 300 times before he got his first funding so he really believes in his company and you know when i l- ask myself what is john foley's vision for where this company's going to be and in his present investor presentation day slides, his vision for it is that somewhere in like this 15 or 20 year stretch, right? Maybe even 10 years, but let's just call it 15 year stretch. His vision is that where Peloton's going to be is that it's going to have a hundred million subscribers and the net promoter score is going to be a hundred. And I'm like, and he calls that his, you know, those quote unquote big hairy audacious goals now i don't even know if they're going to to get to 100 net promoter score and i don't even know if they're going to get to 100 million subscribers but that's where he's he's headed right and in my mind uh 100 million subscribers is going to lead to like a lot of money like if he actually even gets close to achieving it and the 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 striving for a perfect net promoter score which it i don't think it's ever really it, you're able to achieve Um, But just that process of striving for a very high net promoter score really means that you have to be focused on the right things, which is um, treating customers right, giving them an amazing top-notch experience that's beyond anything else that they've ever seen, um, making them happy every time they use the product. Um, Those are the only things that you could do to get a very, very high net promoter score like that. And that's where his vision is. Now, so I, I I I looked at that and then I, I said to myself, let's get down into um, the numbers, right? Like, what what is that? What would that even even mean for us? And I I said to myself, okay, what if like uh, he uh, I don't know doesn't even make it to hundred million? What if he makes it to like something like thirty million, like, and, and they're paying thirty nine dollars a month or something like that? Um, that gives you a certain amount of um, recurring revenue that you could think about on a monthly basis or um, a yearly basis. Um, I think if you like, you actually did get to 100 million subscribers, each paying um, $39 per month, that would give you something like, uh, two, Like, uh, let me just make sure I'm doing the math right. 100 million times 39, then times 12, gives you something like. 46 billion in revenue, if I'm doing this number, these numbers right, which is a lot. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a huge yearly revenue. And if you think about what like Netflix, which is a very similar thing, um, is doing in terms of its revenue, uh, its market cap per revenue, it's about seven. So I'm just saying, okay, well, what if I took that number Um, and then multiplied it by seven, like how big a number would I get there, right? And that number in my mind is going to end up giving you something like, um, uh, what is it, Uh, 327 billion market cap. Now, 327 billion market cap, I'm telling you to you right here, is based off of a seven multiple on revenue, which is a little generous because I'm just copying Netflix's multiple right now. And I think Netflix has got like a very different content subscription thing that has a wider market than fitness uh, but it's at a lower price point so it's like it's not exact and it's maybe not might not be defensible but this is the rough number that i'm getting okay let's say i'm 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 underpricing this thing and it's not 320 something billion but let's say it's worth 450 billion like i've underpriced it for whatever reason um and then you think about what it's worth right now it's like 40 billion. So that really means if, we, if you can hit those types of targets um, where you get 100 million subscribers, it could be worth somewhere around like the 450 billion mark, and then you get an 11X from, from here, like the share price could be 11X from here. And that could really mean that if the share prices are in the 130 range right now, and I multiply that by let's say 11, that could mean that the share price would be worth um, north of one thousand four hundred per share um, if they achieve these, these goals. And um, there's a lot of uh, sensitivities to that to that thing. There's a lot of assumptions that I've made in there. One, like, is it actually worth the same kind of mo- revenue multiple that Netflix is? And you could debate that. Um, and number two, is it e- is he actually going to reach that big, hairy, audacious goal of hundred million subscribers? I mean. I mean, there's like we talked about the market being like 30 million people for for doing gym memberships in North America. So, right. I mean, you'd have to like um, hit a vast majority of them and then expand into the Europe and maybe Asia in order to get those types of subscribers. And it sounds kind of crazy that they would. But, you know, Netflix has expanded internationally. Um, we might have just thought of them as a North American company, but they're, you know, thinking about getting into India, like Netflix is doing that. So, it's not crazy in the long-term future that they would expand to um, international markets. And then, a hundred million people of off the entire world, which is billions of people, doesn't sound so crazy anymore if you're thinking about that kind no. of like um, addressable market and not just limiting ourselves to North America, which is where we mostly play in. Um, so uh, it's it's hard, right? Now, if I think about let's say doing a 10x in let's say 10 years, uh, that gives you a compounded annual growth rate of 26%. So right now, if you know the whole company is worth 40 billion, and if we're right with these like super rough back of the envelope estimates about where they're going to be if they hit 100 million subscribers at 39 per month, right? if they hit like uh, an 11x on the current um, market cap of 40, you're looking at 26% CAGR. And so like the question in my mind is, um, am I okay with the, the probability that they're going to achieve that goal? Because if they do, I'll get somewhere in the ballpark of 26% return. And a sub-question is beyond the probability of achieving that goal. Um, Another sub-question would be, even if they do hit that goal, am I satisfied with a 26% return over the next 10 years? And that's more of a personal question rather than a market question, but you know, that's kind of one of those things. So that's what I'm looking at when I'm considering this. Um, Is that very similar to what you are thinking about or are there any holes in like, Yeah, here too. here's the, the
1: one niche. I agree with you're looking at this 100 million subscriber goal, right? Mm-hmm. Here here's where I have trouble with that. If you're talking about 100 million subscribers, you can achieve that with the app. You you know, just a user downloads and subscribes at $12 a month for the next 6 months, COVID ends and they cancel. There's no stickiness or moat at all around yep. that product. Yep. Zero. If you want to call a subscriber the thirty-nine dollar a month household, now you have a different number. To get there, you're buying a product. You're you're buying the bike or mm-hmm. the treadmill or whatever, right? Yeah. I think a hundred million dollar, a hundred million independent users of the hardware is a very difficult goal. Yeah. I don't. I I think even if you include overseas, international, you know, you've got so many brands, some of the best brands in the world that that just don't dominate overseas like they do in the US. And it's a lot of brand, right? Like Apple's a unique example. They just crush everywhere. But like Amazon, you know, people don't use Amazon in in Asia, right? Or Facebook, or, you know, there's an infinite variety of examples of companies that just don't, you know, don't own market share in the same way they do in the US overseas. So I don't see that growth potential for the bike. I think you're going to see other products uh, did I mention that one out of China? There's the Fit from Huma. I don't even yeah. know the name of the company, but like, yeah. you know, and and you'll you'll see other stuff too, right? So I don't think there's going to be nearly the same. Uh, and also, you, I don't don't get started on customer acquisition costs. You have to build a whole new brand overseas It, it doesn't exist in the same way over here. So right. I don't I don't think that's as reasonable as you do. I, I think that that is a big audacious goal to get mm-hmm. to 100 million full paying subscribers with a bike in the house. To me, that is a different product than a subscriber alone on the app. Yep. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's that reasonable, to be honest. I don't think they get there. And, yeah. but, but to be fair, it doesn't mean it's not uh, a well-valued stock, even if they get halfway there, right? Mm-hmm. It's still, you know, it's still, I don't know, I can't do the math that quickly, but it's still double-digit CAGR for yeah. 10 years, right? Yeah. Like, uh, that, that's not be... a bad stock.
0: Yeah, it'll be probably worth somewhere around like, I'm just guessing, I haven't done the math, but like around 200 billion, maybe 250 billion. And that's yeah, off about of 700
1: a share, give or take.
0: Yeah, that's off of what like um uh 40 billion right now at $133 per share. So, it'll be like be 500 600 700 something like that um per share. All right. Um so, yeah. yeah, and that's not going to be the 26% tagger that I'm, I'm quoting you. It will be a um, sub-20% tagger if it right. use that half valuation there. Yeah.
1: But that's not, again, that doesn't make it, you know, it's not one of these stocks where like, oh, that's not a company I'd want anything to do with. Uh, it just yeah. might be a company that's doing well enough that, it's, that that's really baked in, that people are saying it's not a crazy goal. That's pretty, you know, fairly achievable, and I could see a path to it. Yeah, Uh, And I'm willing to pay that premium right now, which again, speaks really well to that brand. Uh, This isn't a stock that's pumped up on, on future promises of product or content. Everything they have is out there already and people love it. And to your point on, on net promoter, you know, they're not selling you in the future, we're going to have a full body treadmill workout. That's not what they're selling you. They're selling you a bike and an app with a lot of content and everybody's eating it up. So I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them to capture tons of market. I don't think it's unreasonable to have them, you know, with a lot of subscribers. My problem is a hundred million subscribers in home with a, with a hardware piece that's priced where it's priced. I think they're being a little bit overly optimistic about what their total addressable market is. I don't think it's as big as what they're saying it is. Mm-hmm. I think the growth is expecting current trends to continue where they won't. And where yeah. someone like me, you know, as long as I'm bundled into, you know, something I'm already paying for, for Naomi and replacing a, gym membership that's great i'm happy to stay you know stay one of the I, now with this fan this household is two of, of a <laughs> hundred million subscribers but like i'm yeah. not there's no stickiness for me i could yeah. drop the f tomorrow it does, does nothing for me right naomi right. won't so now yeah. you're talking about people that actually care uh about being a subscriber and yeah. have the hardware that's not a hundred million people yeah it seems hard to stretch it to a hundred million you're right so um, yeah, I mean, look and again. Yeah. You cut it in half. It's still a good buy, right? Yeah. Even even if you cut that completely, like, even more than half. All right? If you're if you're doing ten to fifteen percent CAGR for ten years on a on a premium brand with lots and lots of upside, that's not a buy, that's not a bad stock to buy. It's not
0: bad. It's not bad if you're satisfied with that type of thing,
1: too. And then you're okay
0: with the probabilities of them reaching fifty. 50- 50 million subscribers, yeah, then like, and, and you're okay with that type of CAGR, let's say in the 15% range, right? Then I, I think that's okay, yeah.
1: yeah. So I think anyway, it, I just think it's disingenuous yeah. to call, yeah, you just to call them all subscribers, they're not equal. I think there's different there's different subscribers, so- you're, you're right, um, I think
0: that the stickiness for the $12 a month subscriber is gonna be way less than the stickiness for the one that actually pays $39 a month and has the actual equipment. Um, yeah. You know, right now when I look at the stickiness of or the churn actually of the thirty-nine dollar a month subscriber, it's they they report some pretty ridiculously low churn. It's less than one percent. I think it's somewhere between zero point five and zero point six percent. And if you do the yeah. math, if you do the math on churn and you convert, like okay, a monthly churn of half a percent to 06 percent. And you ask yourself, well, what's the average life of the user going to be expected to be if they maintain that type of churn? It's 15 years. And then, I like, that number is so ridiculously large that I be- began to question my sanity when I was looking at mm. that number. Because I was thinking to myself, okay, the numbers are showing, the data is showing that their churn is ridiculously low. And that implies that a customer will, you know, pay monthly subscription fee for 15 years whereas i was actually thinking about doing it only maybe realistic for five years and so but even but like my my, my intuition i guess fights against that math if that makes any sense because yeah. even though the math is showing a very low churn that predicts 15 years that a customer will stay on it i can't realistically think that or at least i don't feel like it could be realistic that a customer will, like, on average, last 15 years on the same exercise bike. And even if you allow for, you know, using the exercise bike for five years, but then still getting an upgraded bike from Peloton and continuing to pay, let's say that we're talking about that. I still don't even really feel like that's realistic because people like – change their exercise needs and they want like super <laughs> variety every like i don't know one or two years i can't imagine totally same bike <laughs> or even if there's like a lot of new content i just like it's just hard for me to imagine but then i don't know the bike so like i was
1: caught if we you were know? have you have you been a member of anything for more <laughs> than five years ah <sighs> You know, like I look at a Costco membership. I look at, uh, you know, I don't know what other memberships you kind of
0: yeah you know, I, okay, pay a so, recurring fee to. So, like, I personally am not old enough to do it, but um, I, I could totally see someone having subscribed to HBO, which is not cheap, for over 15 years. Right? Like, that's reasonable yeah, to think. Yeah, that's fair. Or, or yeah. talking about, like, the full cable package, including ESPN, the whole shebang paying that for over 15 years or if that was
1: due to lack of alternatives i mean that's a different time and a different situation here again and that's where i come back to competition i i I think if if you left them alone in a vacuum and you're like go capture 100 million households and no one else is making home home workout equipment and for at least for the next year i'm going to give you a head start that everyone's locked in their house ready set go maybe even then it's a stretch but maybe. I'm telling you you're going to see competition from the biggest players. Amazon has their Prime Bike, right? Like that's no joke. Yeah, I, I yeah. think a brand a brand like Lululemon, you know, we talked about the Mirror, like that's that's no joke either. And when you talk about aesthetic and what you're putting in your living room, you know, this is not necessarily a cool product 2 years from now. And even if Peloton gives you the bike for free, right? Bring it in your math bring their acquisition costs back up to 1000 dollars $2000 a user yeah, $2, right like
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you give give them give them the bike for free right yeah. what if it's not cool to own the bike anymore that now now you're you're debt right yeah. uh, and and again it, my original sentiment just looking at this i remember telling you know telling my wife too it's like yeah my dad had an extra bike, exercise bike also that became a tie rack you know yeah. like yeah. I'm sure at the time it was it was pretty cool and and probably you know oh what a what a high end piece of equipment the world moves really fast you know you you we maybe you overestimate that Amazon will have a bike in in half of those homes in a year but you know look at 5 years from now I wouldn't be surprised if you know you have a, a lot of choice and options and and the barrier to entry the barrier the switching cost is not, not that high right like and, and then it becomes you know how can they compete can Peloton compete with Apple head to head on a product can they compete with Amazon head to head on a product That's I don't hard. know yeah. and, and to get there you're talking about 10 years from now I can't predict what this is going to look like in six months
0: yeah so I mean drawing this uh, episode to a close you have to make a buy if you had to make a buy and sell decision on this one um, uh, would you? what do you think would you end up um, investing in this company, or would you not invest
1: in this company i it's funny when this started, I would have said absolutely not. I had no interest it's like it felt like a fad, it felt like a moment in time, and just you know crazy crazy valuation when you look at it. look at the numbers. Then I got the bike and I got a, a much deeper appreciation for the product, the manufacturing the the hardware itself, and the app. the app's incredible, and the content's great. Right. And the social element and the user base. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually, there's something here, right? It's not, it's not just a bike, right? There's, there's something really here. Yeah. Um, but I still think, I, I still think, again, everything relative, it's a good company. I would be happy to own shares of Peloton. I don't, I wouldn't, you know, over a stretch of time, I wouldn't regret that. I, I just, I think there's probably higher upside opportunities with a lot less risk in them, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm out. And for those reasons, I'm out. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so thinking about it personally, um, I've I, I, when I looked into it, there's a lot in the model that I really, really like: the low customer acquisition cost, the the math telling you how long the customer lifetime is going to be, which is a ridiculous fifteen fifteen years, which even at five years would be good, um, yeah. you know, and uh, the um, the fact that people really, really like it; they have such a high net promoter score. And like the really big vision that the CEO brings to the table. Um, And then on top of that, the fact that, yeah, I know you're worried about the competition, but I really think for a company that's very fast moving and very focused on being the best at its category and focusing on only doing that, um, it actually is surprisingly hard to catch a company like that if it's like at the top of its game. So I don't, I'm not personally as worried about the appearance of competition in the near-term horizon, but over the long term, they will come to an impasse if they grow big enough. Where um, um, Apple, like, really, really begins to think seriously about either um, buying them out, which would be good if you're a shareholder, um, and then, or, or, or crushing them, which would be terrible if you're a shareholder, right? So that's like something that's on my mind about them. Um, and I, the other thing that like really intrigued me about this when i was thinking about this is that you know there's like two business models that it really reminds me of one is in a way like you were talking about apple and yes it reminds me of apple but it also reminds me a little bit of tesla because a lot of people misunderstand tesla and for like many years people talk about it as being overpriced and then like i can't even tell you how many people like on the internet maybe in real life whatever Keep telling people who are um, like uh, big believers in, in, in the company's future, um, the competition's coming. Always, always. In like 2010, competition's coming in 2012. In 2012, when's competition coming? Pretty much 2016. 2016, when's competition coming? 2020, definitely. 2020 is here. When's competition coming? 2024. 2024, it's coming, you know? BMW thinks it won't even have 10% of its electric market. It won't have, like, it'll have 10% of its cars be fully electrified in 2030. So, like, people keep telling me about competition in a company like Tesla. And, you know, if you really have studied it, there is actually no competition coming in that space. And I'm, wor- I'm thinking and I'm worrying and I'm, like, kind of finagling about whether or not there truly is competition for Pelican in its space. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But I know for a fact, that even if a lot of people are telling you that there's competition coming, if you really, really think about it, sometimes you might um, think differently. So I'm trying to think about that possibility. Um, and the other um, thing that it reminds me of is of course Netflix, which is a pure content, um, like very little device hardware type stuff. And it is such a successful business. And personally speaking, here's a funny story. I looked at Netflix when it was less than a hundred. And I could sense that there was something there, but I could never bring myself to the point where I bought it. And um, I was always afraid with Netflix that number one, maybe competition would destroy it. And number two, that their, um, that their uh, content costs would overwhelm the subscription revenue that they could get every month per user. And that it just wasn't like, stable like it wasn't a dynamic, like a structurally stable business because their content costs would balloon far higher than whatever they could bring from people um so i never got myself comfortable about it and you know what that's the reason why i'm poor today because i never invested in netflix okay and that's always lingered in the back of my head as like what did i miss at the time what did i not see what was my mind not big enough to contain or see in the future that made me too scared of Netflix's downsides and not mm, cognizant enough of its future upside to realize that like, look, it could make you really wealthy if you invest in it, right? It's probably one of the best performing stocks of the last 10 years if you look at it. Um, yeah. So I look at I look at um, Peloton and I ask myself, because it reminds me so much of Tesla and it reminds me so much of Netflix, which I have like a bad story about. Um, like, what am I missing? like what am I really looking at? and I did the deep dive and I found some I dug up some stuff about the customer acquisition costs. I looked at the big hairy, audacious goal that John Foley did with one hundred million subscribers and I feel like i'm actually coming back to the same conclusion that I did at the time that I decided not to invest in Netflix, which is that i don't feel confident enough that they could hit these vast, audacious goals, and even if I had to compare um, peloton directly with netflix i feel like netflix is still a superior business and the reason why is because netflix is pure content and that is a wider addressable market because i think the human need for content is more directly applicable to a wider base of people than it is the human need for like a very dedicated exercise pike i'm just being like pessimistic about human nature here in the sense that I think there's way more people who would rather sit on the couch binge-watching con- good content that they like than sweating it out, exercising on a very, very expensive bike, right? Like, I just think the market for Netflix is wider. And, um, I, you know, when I, when I directly compare it against Netflix, I think, like, I, I forget what Netflix's market cap is today, but I think it's in the 250 billion range. Let me look it up. Netflix uh, Netflix's market cap is in the $230 billion range. So, um, and that's after like many, many years of, you know, growing and um, getting massive and becoming very well-known. Um, and I'm thinking ultimately if Pelicon achieves the big, hairy, audacious goals that John Foley set out of 100 million subscribers, and, you know, I wasn't even subtracting any costs out of it. I was thinking maybe they would be in the ball carpet, uh, ballpark of being twice as big as Netflix. So I was thinking somewhere like 450 billion, and that's not to say that Netflix wouldn't grow to even larger than that. But you know, right now Netflix is 230 billion, and you know they might get some higher multiple than that. But you know, I'm just trying to like compare, handicap these these things here, and because I don't feel super comfortable that they can hit. That that Peloton can hit that subscriber number that you also um, are worried about. I think I'm going to have to um, not invest in that company as well. Um,
1: oh, that's a, that a a rope a dope, Gil. yeah.
0: <laughs> I know that's what that's what my mind does. It tortures me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, like the the reason is even though I see some weird like analogies with companies that I know have been successful. Um, and I know personally that I never got myself to the point where I would be all in on Netflix. And if I had, I'd be like super wealthy. Um, and uh, because I didn't, I'm now poorer today as a result of, of that. And I'm wondering whether or not I'm making the same type of mistake um, here by not being confident in Peloton because I see so many good things. Um, but I still can't like bring myself to it. And maybe I'm repeating the same mistakes with Netflix. Maybe I'm not just good at investing in like recurring revenue, monthly style businesses. I don't know. But I just still can't bring <laughs> myself to that. I, I don't know. So, um, and, and the fact that even if I do, the other thing was also, if I, even if I do give John Foley's $100 million, 100 million subscribers full credit, I think if I get to 450 billion market cap, I'm still looking at a 26 something percent CAGR off of the, um, uh, the, the current valuation today. And I would feel safer if it was north of 30, maybe in the 40% CAGR range, because even if I'm wrong and it gets cut in half, I'll still be in the 20% range. But if I'm targeting a 26% CAGR and I'm wrong, it might get down to like the tens, maybe zero, I don't know, right? So I'd really like to have more margin of safety in the price. So I think my decision in here is not to invest today. But this will definitely go on the watch list because I think it has a lot of good elements to the business model. And um, at a lower valuation, like, I don't know, somewhere in the 30s, 40s, 50s, um, I might end up being compelled enough by the potential um, CAGR that that low price represents off of the like the full massive $450 billion potential that it could have in the future. I'd feel comfortable enough. Yeah, You're, growth to you're, like you're going
1: to need a, a time machine to get back to those levels there. pre Yeah. yeah price point.
0: Exactly. And actually it wasn't that long ago that it was at those levels. So if we like literally had done this podcast, like uh, a few months earlier, uh, I might've been convinced enough to actually like, to buy, but now it's so priced out of where I'd like it to be that I'm just going to have to sit back and wait. And for something yeah. like this, like stuff always happens. Like I remember, you know, um, holding Tesla and then having it get cut in half, like 50% down in a year. So like anything can happen and I- I'm not wishing anything bad on anybody who's actually currently invested in Peloton, but I'm just saying that like crazy things have happened before. And
1: right now, yeah, and I'm, I'll I'm be
0: comfortable, maybe in the future I will
1: yeah yeah you you brought up a great point on the acquisition too like I, I'm not I wasn't really thinking about it, but the the beats acquisition by Apple there's a lot of parallels here too uh, and that that does create another option there you don't have to be a world beater, you just have to have enough dominant market share to make this appealing to a, to a big brand to like an apple yeah uh, and that 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 did, that you know that does change my opinion a little bit, not enough to get me to push my chips into the table, but, uh, uh, definitely something to think about. If, if, the, and to your point about things changing and changing quickly, you know, the price goes down a little bit and, and there's some buzz that Apple could be interesting. Uh, you know, that, that would change my mind. I think that that's an exciting outcome. And I think that's a way, you know, look, if I'm Peloton, there's not a better brand to sell to, uh, if you are going to sell the business. Although again, you know, you're, it, it, it has lots of parallels, lots of parallels to beats, man. That's an interesting one. I didn't think about it. Yeah. All right. So,
0: I guess to wrap up this episode, we both decided not to, to buy in. I'm going to be watching it, and then maybe in the future we'll um, bring it back up again if it ever gets to something that makes perfect. Sense. Or I, yeah, you can we, just, keep... we could just like not invest, and you know we could be completely wrong, and then let it see it run completely away from us, making other people rich yeah. and not us.
1: <laughs> as long as somebody's getting rich, right?
0: at least somebody's making money. Yeah, yeah.